Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Legends of Surgery. I'm your host, Tyler Rouse. Now, as regular listeners to this show certainly know, surgeons love to name things after themselves, from anatomical landmarks to operations to surgical instruments. But today we're going to cover the story of a family that took the opposite approach and went to great lengths to hide their proprietary instrument for the safe delivery of newborns. So let's reveal some secrets in this episode of Legends of Surgery. The family involved in this tale were named Chamberlain and were Huguenots, members of the Protestant Reformed Church of France. Peter Chamberlain, later known as the Elder for reasons that will become obvious, was born in Paris in 1560, the first son of surgeon William Chamberlain and his wife Genevieve Vignon. The Huguenots, whose name origin has been lost to history, were French Protestants in the 16th and 17th centuries who followed the teachings of John Calvin, a leading theologian. Persecuted by the Catholic French government, many fled the country, with the diaspora ending up in settlements all over Europe, the U.S., and Africa. In fact, the Queen Regent Catherine of Medici declared a ban on Protestant physicians. The Chamberlains therefore fled to England, arriving in the town of Southampton in 1569. Their second son, oddly enough also named Peter, hence the first being called the Elder, was born there in 1572. Both Peters became barber surgeons like their father and became well-known practitioners of midwifery, or man-midwives. However, this term was felt to be derogatory, and so the preferred term became accoucheur. This came from the French verb accoucher, meaning to go to the childbed. And even today, the word for childbirth in French is accouchement. The common root word here is coucher, meaning to lie down or go to bed. Now, some of you may be familiar with the phrase, voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir, meaning would you like to sleep with me tonight, from the 1974 song Lady Marmalade, which has been covered a number of times, probably most famously in the movie Moulin Rouge, which itself means Red Mill and a cabaret in Paris. But I digress. The involvement of surgeons into obstetrics was fortuitous timing, as the increasing incidence of rickets led to pelvic deformities. Rickets, which some believe comes from the German word ricken, meaning twisted, is a vitamin D deficiency that leads to bony deformities. Part of the physiology of vitamin D is that it is activated by exposure to sunlight. The paleopathological record shows a significant increase in rickets between the 17th and 19th centuries, coinciding with the Industrial Revolution. This was likely due to increasing indoor occupations, calcium-poor diets, increased populations in urban centers, and decreased socioeconomic status for large portions of the population. These pelvic deformities led to increasing frequency of obstructed labor, sometimes called obstetrical dystocia, for the Greek words dus, meaning bad, and tokos, meaning childbirth. And here's a bonus fact that might come in handy in a trivia game. The word tokophobia means a fear of childbirth. With the increasing difficulties with childbirth, we return to the Chamberlain family. In 1596, Peter Chamberlain the Elder moved to London and became surgeon and accoucheur, remember, a word from the French essentially meaning a male midwife, to Queen Anne, wife of James I. His younger brother, remember also named Peter, joined him in London in 1600, where they became members of the Barber Surgeon's Company. However, they both incurred fines for skipping the Barber Surgeon Guild's lectures, a requirement for maintaining their licensure. And Peter the Elder got into conflict with the College of Physicians in 1612, 
who charged him with the, quote, illegal and evil practice, end quote, of prescribing medicines to be taken internally, as only licensed physicians, not surgeons, were allowed to provide. This led to him being committed to Newgate Prison until he was released due to the intervention of the Lord Mayor of London and the Archbishop of Canterbury. Always good to have friends in high places. Anyways, it is believed that Peter the Elder invented what we now would call obstetrical forceps, hinged, spoon-like instruments used to assist the delivery of an infant's head through the vaginal canal. Previous devices, such as crochet-like hooks, would typically kill the child stuck in the birth canal in order to save the mother's life. In an age before patents, the family chose to keep this instrument to themselves, and it became known for several decades as the secret. They went to great lengths to hide it, driving to births in closed or curtained carriages and carrying the forceps in an enormous gold-covered box that needed at least two people to carry, leading observers to believe some massive and highly complicated machinery was inside. They even went so far as to blindfold the mothers and requiring everyone else to leave the room during delivery. The Chamberlains would employ noisemakers and clappers to keep anyone from eavesdropping. The man midwife would cover the woman's bottom half in blankets and completed his work by touch, as looking under the blankets was considered improper. The blanket also added a further level of protection of their secret from prying eyes. This secrecy allowed the Chamberlains to continue to make money by being the only practitioners with proper tools for safe delivery of complicated cases, which as previously mentioned were increasingly common due to the Ricketts epidemic, creating a high demand for their services. They sold themselves as knowledgeable men of science with better skills and more advanced tools than their female rivals. The next generation of the family to enter into obstetrical practice was, confusingly, also named Peter, born in 1601 and was the son of Peter the Younger. Now, one of only a few Chamberlains to actually earn a medical degree, he was often at odds with the Royal College of Physicians as they disapproved of his flamboyant dress. However, Peter did have a successful career and attended Queen Henrietta Maria at the birth of the future King Charles II. After the death of his uncle, Peter the Elder, this Peter was appointed as court physician at Couchier in 1632. His reputation, at least at this point, was so great that the Tsar of Russia wrote to Charles I asking if he might enter into his service, which was denied. Peter continued to keep the family secret, which he in turn passed down to one of his children, of which he had many. His first wife, Jane Middleton, gave birth to two daughters and eleven sons, three of whom practiced midwifery. After the death of Jane, Peter remarried and had a further five children. For those keeping score at home, that is a grand total of 18 children. The eldest of these, known as Hugh the Elder, born in 1630, was one of his sons that followed in his father's footsteps to practice midwifery. And he nearly gave up the family secret. In 1670, Hugh traveled to Paris, hoping to raise some cash by selling the obstetrical forceps to the French government. Mad midwives had become all the rage in France after Louis XIV started the trend by employing them for his pregnant mistresses. Chamberlain told the royal accoucheur, Jules Clement, that he'd sell the tool for 10,000 crowns. But the famous French obstetrician Francois Marceau gave Hugh a test. Deliver the baby of a rachitic, which means having rickets, patient with dwarfism and a grossly deformed pelvis who had been in obstructed labor for eight days. After three hours of effort, Hugh failed the test as the patient died of a ruptured uterus and the secret remained unsold. But he returned to England with perhaps something more valuable. 
a copy of Marceau's most recent text, Observations sur la grosse S et accouchement, published in 1668. And I apologize for my French pronunciation. Hugh Chamberlain translated it and published an English version in 1672 under the title The Accomplished Midwife. In the foreword, Hugh made reference to the family secret, which is worth covering. Quote, My father, brothers, and myself, though none else in Europe as I know, have, by God's blessing and our industry, attained to and long practiced a way to deliver women, in this case, meaning abstracted labor, without any prejudice to them or their infants. Though all others, being obliged for want of such an expedient to use the common way, do and must endanger, if not destroy one or both with hooks. I will now take leave to offer an apology for not publishing the secret I mentioned we have to extract children without hooks, where other artists use them, there being my father and two brothers, living that practice this art. I cannot esteem it of my own to dispose of nor publish it without injury to them." And so the family secret was kept, at least until the next generation. Hugh the Younger, born in 1664, was the eldest son of Hugh the Elder, and followed in the family business. Despite marrying three times, Hugh did not have a male heir, and it is suspected that he allowed the family secret to leak in the last years of his life. Obstetrical forceps very similar to those used by the Chamberlains came into general use by the mid-18th century. In 1752, the famous English obstetrician William Smiley published his treaty on the theory and practice of midwifery, which outlined the proper usage of forceps, along with an improved design. So how do we know exactly what the secret forceps look like? Well, in 1813, the obstetrical instruments of Dr. Peter Chamberlain, which included five pairs of obstetrical forceps, were discovered under the floorboards in the attic of his old home, known as Woodham Mortimer Hall, where they had been hidden by his wife Anne on his death 130 years earlier. The forceps blades were metal, fenestrated, meaning having holes, from the Latin word fenestra, meaning window, and had curves for grasping the head. Each blade was separate to allow independent application and could then be locked together, a design not very different from the obstetrical forceps that exist today. These instruments are now in the possession of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists in London. While it may seem unethical to us today, it was not uncommon for doctors to sit on trade secrets to ensure maximum profits. Nevertheless, the Chamberlain family's impact on obstetrics cannot be denied. Here's a quote from Rosemary Mander, a professor of midwifery at the University of Edinburgh. Quote, It would not be an understatement to suggest that these four generations of one family were largely responsible for the move of childbearing out of the domestic sphere where women were responsible for their own and each other's care into the hands of men. End quote. This essentially changed what was called man midwifery into its final form, what we now call obstetrics. And that wraps up another episode of Legends of Surgery. I hope you enjoyed it. In the next episode, we'll cover the late 19th century surgeon Eugene Doyen, a visionary and innovative genius who also had a gift for making enemies. In the meantime, please rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download episodes and leave a comment there, or follow me on Twitter at Surgery Legends. Like us on Facebook at Legends of Surgery, or send an email to legendsofsurgery at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on this podcast or ideas for future episodes. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>